Welcome to the Horsewise Podcast with Lynn Reardon, where we share stories of horses and people and what they teach each other. On today's episode, I talk with horsewoman and teacher Alicia Landman on how sometimes the best thing you can do for your horse is to take good care of yourself. I hope you enjoy the show and have a wonderful day. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Lynn Reardon, the host of the podcast and head coach at Horsewise. I'm really excited to introduce to you today Alicia Landman. She is one of my favorite teachers and horsewomen and just an all-around great person with a terrific sense of humor. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as she and I did. So Alicia, welcome to the Horsewise podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I know you've had a busy day as usual at the barn and uh, I just, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is a lot of fun. Well, I know you basically through stalking you on Facebook, which is what most people uh, who get interviewed on my podcast, that's how I find them. <laughs> so in your case, like Brooke Tatro, uh, another colleague of yours, I discovered you both through following some of the photography that comes out of the annual Buck Brandeman Invitational Cult Starting Clinic at his facility, I guess, each summer. And I noticed some photos, actually you and Brooke were at the same clinic, I think. And I noticed the two of you uh, right away. And I was like, wow, I just really liked how you, you just in the photography, it just showed the feel that you had for the horses. And then also, you know, very correct positioning, which I know sounds ridiculous. If you're starting colts at the butt clinic, you are very correct in your position. But there was something about like the way that you uh, sat the colts and the way that you even in how you were asking them for the very basic groundwork maneuvers, just the softness of your hand on the lead rope. I was like, I wonder if she has sort of a dressage background. Like I couldn't quite tell for sure, but there was just something about that overall presentation, very elegant, very very punchy, you know, like very ropey. Thank you. But I noticed that. And so that's something that I do um, is I will have photographs that I find really inspiring or just like a reminder of a softness or a moment between a horse and a rider or a horseman and a colt. It just reminds me of things that are possible, I guess. So Mm -hmm. then I started noticing you more and I'm like, okay, what's her name? Like I need to find out who she is. And I realized that (laughs) you did clinics. I started following your horsemanship page on Facebook. And then eventually you and I met at a clinic in Kentucky. And uh, I remember that was kind of fun because you were starting. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And it was somewhat unexpectedly. I don't think you were, you didn't know you were going to start a cult until you got there. So, and that's how I just, for my listeners, that's how I found Alicia. And then I just found the more that I uh, followed you and followed your work that I just came to appreciate and admire it. And then also found it very helpful for, I guess, for my own work, you know, just to, it's kind of like having, it's kind of like having a mastermind group without meeting anybody. Like there's people that you follow. Right. And I'm like, I don't know her, but this, I feel like she's part of my family. So that was like with you and Brooke Tatro and Emma Daly Klein and a lot of the people, Linda Hoover, a lot of the people that I've interviewed um, just, seems to me like it's just a great way. It's just been personal for me to be able to talk with you guys in detail about all the things that I've noticed kind of behind the scenes. And and also to let you guys know you have stalkers. So in case uh, that was something that you weren't aware of. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. And, um, you know, it, it, I certainly feel lucky that, you know, been able to learn from a lot of different uh, disciplines, I guess, and 
and then coming across, you know, Mr. Branneman and, and getting to feel like I, I knew absolutely nothing, even though I thought I was, you know, I thought I was getting along all right with a horse and, and, uh, you know, doing some jumping growing up as a kid and then doing dressage and really loving that. Um, and then watching him. And then I was like, man, I just, there's a lot more to this as I still feel today that I still know about this much. Um, and, you know, all of us, I think that throw ourselves passionately into understanding horses better. It just, it's just never ending, which is so amazing. And it keeps me going every day and it gets me excited about, you know, my job and, and helping other people. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that I had that dressage background for, you know, helping me be aware of my, my body parts and, mm -hmm. you know, um, really understanding how to go with the energy of a horse and, and to not ride in a chair seat and to, you know, really think about what, what is my body doing to help influence the horse. And, um, and I think it's just so 50, 50 all the time that we have to be in control of our bodies, but then we also have to be in control of our mind. And then we're trying to help control, you know, help the horse's body and the horse's mind. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really led me to the place of where I'm at right now and the decisions that I've made for the next month. Um, the culmination of all of these years of work and, you know, being around people and being around horses. And so that's, what's kind of led me to the main topic. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and let's go, let's go back just a little bit. And in a really sort of uh, simplified way, like I said, you don't have to tell me like your entire autobiography, but let my right. listeners know kind of how you came to do the work that you're doing now and do the work the way that you're doing it now. So how did that sort of evolve? Um, well, I was just really lucky to get into a, a barn that needed somebody to teach lessons and ride horses. And, um, you know, looking back on it, I think I probably was um, at that phase of my life probably shouldn't have been in that position, but I got lucky enough to be in it and wanted to make the most of it. And um, I kept thinking, as long as I can stay here at this place and they're allowing me to learn from a variety of different people, then I will work my tail off and do as much as I can and get the most out of it. And so th that was my life for, you know, 12 or 13 years at Bay Harbor. And I was able to bring in, um, you know, clinicians from kind of wherever I wanted um, into the barn. And I was able to learn from, you know, dressage instructors and eventing instructors and hunter jumper riders. And then, you know, Buck ended up coming in and he would do his um, yearly clinic up in Bay Harbor. And so that is, you know, a huge reason of, of why I've stuck with it and continue to love it I think is because it's just all about the horse you know and all about helping the horse feel better about itself and what I am still trying to encourage myself to keep getting out there and learning when I can um and and so I've just taken that information and incorporated what I've learned in my history of, of riding and um break it down into, you know, the whole education of the rider and the horse. And it's a, 
it's big, you know, it, it, when we get all these students, all these students together in this area and, and we're talking about, you know, they're all at different levels of, of understanding on their path, their journey. Um, and so sometimes we're working on groundwork. Sometimes we're working on getting them, you know, exposed and, and gentle about, you know, ropes and flags. And, uh, but a lot of what I teach, I feel like is a lot about understanding your body and how your body affects your horse. Um, today was a great example of just, you know, people understanding the difference between when their horses are pushing on them mm-hmm. and when they're reaching for them. I mean, I had this very mouthy horse and, you know, we talked about, she was talking about how mouthy her horses and how it, and as we're talking, it's just, you know, doing this to her the whole time. And, and so it's stuff like that, that really, um, that I'm passionate about because I feel like when people understand that they've got to be control in control of their mind, their body, they got to come to it first, understanding that they're the reason that a lot of this stuff is going on. And then if I can give them the clear direction on how to break that cycle, just how much more fun they have with their horses. And, um, and, and so I love upper level stuff too, but I just also really love the basics like that, that I can help somebody's life get, you know, much more enjoyment out of their horses. And, um, and so it's a really broad spectrum of, of different disciplines, different goals, but I think the end goal, everybody who kind of hangs out with me understands that the, the main focus that, that I have is on the horse, number one, feeling good about his job, mm-hmm. feeling good about its body, its, mm-hmm. its mind is good. Um, and then the rider, the same thing. They've got to bring to it the same stuff that we expect out of the horse. Otherwise, we're not really going to get anywhere. So Yeah, and I totally understand that. And one of the things I find really fascinating is that we're not aware of the patterns that we have physically, even, even if um, you're talking about something as simple as how you get in and out of a car. So I had a podcast uh, several months ago, maybe it was last year, where I was talking about, I had this insight that uh, I, I just noticed it one day. I pulled up somewhere and I went to get out of my truck and I like, I'm grabbing all this stuff and I like, I fling myself out of the truck and I'm running and I'm like, why am I doing that? Like, it's, yes. just, it's just a grocery store. Like what is happening? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a little weird, you know? And then I did file it away. And then I just, I noticed it again. And I'm like, what is your problem? Like I would like pull in and I wasn't late. I wasn't, it's just something like I had this sort of energy about it. And I'm like, you know, I kind of have a problem with transitions. Like I, I kind of fling myself into it. And I was like, I bet my horse already knows that. Like I bet my horse is really already aware that this is kind of just, I don't, I don't think of it as I'm being, um, you know, agitated. It's just, that's just how I am. And once I became aware of that, you know, I started to think about whenever I was with my horse and or horses going um, to even do something as simple as lead them up the driveway. Like that's a transition from being caught in the paddock or caught in the pasture. And I would be like, let's just not, fling ourselves into the next thing. Like, they stop. And the horses were like, so soft with me. They were like, Oh my God, we're so glad you're feeling better. And I'm like, but I had no idea. Like it wasn't because I was angsty. It just was a physical pattern that I had gotten into. And so 
I like to bring a lot of humor to my work. So I'm always telling like hilarious stories <laughs> about how I've messed up constantly. But um, most of the time we can find those patterns and apply a sense of humor to them. So it doesn't feel like we're just doing everything wrong. And that's what exactly. I see. Some students yeah. will really just sort of, they'll, they'll go the other way and they'll be so upset with themselves. Like you're the mm -hmm. worst person in the world. And that's also a way to kind of evade responsibility because it's not yeah. like, it's not like you shot your horse and then aid him. Right. You know? It's like, <laughs> you just, you were a little abrupt with that aid. It's going to be okay. Yes. You know, yes. so horses are very forgiving. So that's just, mm -hmm. anyway, I, I find that very fascinating. Just the, the most basic core thing of how we approach the world sometimes will really come out physically and mentally when we put yes. our hands on a horse, because horses are important to people. Most people have they horses are. that they love them and they yes. want to do the best for them. So that's why. And so, and so many times I hear it so often, and I probably heard it seven times today. I, the famous saying, I don't want to screw my horse up. And I, and I just look at them and say, you know, don't, you're here. I mean, that's the first big step is that you're, you're taking yeah. action on something that has felt bad in the past and you want to make a change for the better but then don't be afraid of making those mistakes because if you're not making the mistakes you're probably not trying and um which is the before, biggest mistake of all the biggest yes. mistake of all is not trying yeah exactly so that that's been kind of a, a reoccurring thing theme that I'm hearing a lot and I'm just like make the mistakes it's okay the, the horse is only going to get better when you're trying to break a, a pattern or a, a cycle in your you know, body language or, or the pattern of the way you do something. And they change so fast, as we all know, they're capable right. of changing so much quicker than we are. Um, and so, yeah, self-analyzing, it, it can be hard, but um, I'm doing it all the time to myself and <laughs> trying to get better and, you know, total work in progress here, but. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And it's, it's also kind of interesting how, um, you know, you sort of brought this thing about, I don't want to screw up my horse. And most of the time, in my experience, people who say that aren't going to screw up the horse. That's actually the definition yeah. of someone who right. isn't going to screw up your horse is that you're worried that you might screw up your horse. So yeah. as long as you are um, considering options or you're willing to change things or, or experiment, you're, you're not the kind of person who truly ruins a horse. Uh, right. You know, you might temporarily frustrate your horse or you might, yes. you know, <laughs> drive your instructor crazy, but you're not, that's really not the framework. Mm -hmm. And if anything, if you can just let go of that and say, one of my favorite things that I'll tell students is they'll be like, oh, I didn't get this right. I'm, I suck at this. And I'm like, all right, well, here's a better way to look at it. It's like, tell yourself instead, I'm becoming the kind of person who is really aware of my horse. Right. The moment I put my hand, I'm becoming the kind of person who's developing a soft feel. I'm becoming the yes. kind of person who's becoming aware of footfall or, or becoming aware of how maybe unbalanced my posture is. And that right. just, that takes it away rather than I'm trying to learn this. It's just like I'm becoming yes. that kind of person. And I found that's just a little more positive way to make that possibility part of how you think about it rather than I suck, which is not really going to get you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's not a good motivator. So <laughs> that's a great, that's a great way to, to explain it to people so that they're not getting so down on themselves, you know, and, and that is, I mean, I, I often think that, that 
every day we wake up, it's not like we wake up in the morning and say, man, I really want to screw up a horse today, you know, and it, we're, we're all trying our best and, and doing the best we can with the information that we have. And, and a lot of times when people are seeking out help, at least that's making the first step towards trying to do something different and, yeah. and get a positive change in your horse. So, yeah. And I think too, there's, I've done a lot of reading on, I teach people sometimes online, which I know is kind of weird in the horse world, but um, in some ways it can be more beneficial because it removes, yeah. it's, at some point you're going to have to figure out things on your own. People can't be in the ring telling you what to do. That's and so, right. and because of that, I've maybe concentrated more on mindset. So you've probably already heard of this, but there's basically two kinds of mindset. There's the growth mindset and the fixed mindset. And the person with the fixed mindset, which is all of us at one point, feels like you have sort of inherent talent and that's it. And so you don't want to get into situations that are too hard because then you're going to show everybody that you suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's where the suck thing comes from. And the other thing is the growth mindset where you, you encourage students that to to go after things that are hard because you're going to learn and you're going to master something. And so that's yeah. a very different kind of compliment. So if you if let's say you have a student who got a really nice left lead depart and you go, you did that really well. You're really good at that. That's sort of feeding the fixed mindset. But if instead you go, hey, I really like how these last four sessions you've been really building up toward that and you had a really nice release when, when your horse kind of wanted to lift a little and you got this beautiful transition, way to put in the work and the practice. That's a different right. way than saying, wow, you did that good. You're good at that. Yeah. And yeah. so that's like a subtle thing that I think really um, – just again, getting people used to the idea of when you're working towards something and you're practicing something and you're not perfect, that's actually how you grow and progress. Yes. It's, not, it's not just like, oh, it happened, like perfect. Yeah. So, I love that that little chart that's floating around out there somewhere. Yeah. I have a picture of it, but it's like, you know, you go up and then there's this dive down and then there's like all these Swirls. circles and, you know, and, and it's so true, you know, it's, it's just such a, it's, it's always hard. And every time I put myself in a position of learning something completely new, it, it, I feel like it makes me a better teacher because I remember that feeling of feeling like oh, I'm never, I'm never going to get this, you know, and I'll do it to myself when I'm learning something new. Like i don't golf very often, but I started hitting the ball when I was yeah. in Hilton Head. And it was just really fun because I know nothing about it. I mean, I stand up in my swing. I mean, there's a million things going wrong, but it's so much like horses in the respect that you, you have to be thorough about the way you're going in. You've got to start small and then you can kind of build. And so I had a blast doing that. And I loved being outside of my comfort zone and having somebody teach me how to use my body to do what I needed to do and then feeling it starting to work and then yeah. you change one thing and then it all it falls, falls apart, apart again <laughs> right, 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 so. right, right. <laughs> right no it's true and um I think too that uh the, the thing about not being in your comfort zone or being a little uncomfortable uh that's something too that people uh students I mean people I mean I'm a student but that you feel like something's wrong if you're uncomfortable or like something could disastrous could happen. And it's like, not really, you know, if you have a good teacher, no one's going to say, go ahead, that horse that rears, go ahead, just, you know, throw them at the wall, see what happens. Like that would be a disaster. Right. That's not normally what's going to happen. Right. This idea of being a little comfortable, like, Hey, I want you to relax your knees or I want it does, you might feel a little insecure in the moment, but I'm going to help you 
you know, you, I want you to feel your horses, uh, let your horse move you in, in, of course, in an appropriate way. Um, and things like that, it's like people go, oh, something bad's going to happen. It's like, just if you can just be okay with discomfort doesn't mean bad. It just means something yeah. you're not used to. And exactly. so, you know, the first time I ever had like a facial, it was uncomfortable. It was <laughs> weird. Now I'm like, I like that. Like I didn't, I yeah. never experienced it before. So um, anyway. And I, not knowing and not knowing the outcome of what's going to happen when it right. is something new is I think a big piece to why people tend to just not take the, this, the next step forward because they're a little bit worried, you know, but then once you get into it and, and you realize, Hey, I got through that and I, I did better. And you know, that progress, it fuels you for the next session. Yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. you realize, you realize that it's not that big a deal to, to change, to change patterns mm -hmm. aren't really fixed, you know, horses right. can be the same way. I, I, you know, that I work with war horses, a lot of horses that ran to age eight, nine, 10, 11 at the track, and then they retire and they're like, they're green and they're full of braces. And yeah. so, but then they're so cool. They're the smartest, the most interesting horses, but like you ask one of them to like move their left foreleg out to the side and they're like, mm -hmm. you're trying to kill me. Like, I'm just going right. to say not because they think the physical pattern, you know, is so set and the horse, yeah. they get really emotional about their feet sometimes. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'll point that out to a student and go see, that's how he feels about this. That's how you feel when I ask you just to soften your arms. Like it's right. really the same thing. <laughs> you're not going to die. Neither is this horse. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, it's, uh, that's, that's why I love the war horses. They're such great, they're great teachers. Even if you're, all you're doing is groundwork. So you can go, do you see, you see how he thought I was trying to kill him. And then he realized I wasn't, and he was really, happy. all right. <laughs> anyway, we say, we say you can't ruin those horses. So, which is true. You'd have well, to and hard. it's, it's so neat that a horse can have a specific job like that for such a length of time. And then to witness how, how quickly they can adapt and, and try to do a new job. Um, yes. It's just, a, it's just really neat. And it's, it's very cool that, that you're doing that and have that, you know, cause it, it's not many horses. A lot of people I should say that I've met will say it's a thoroughbred off the track and then they make up excuses for why the horse is, yeah. you know, failing at a certain job. Uh, but when you can, empower them with the information that, you know, they are a horse and that they can adapt and they can yeah. change and they're very malleable. And, um, it's, it's a really cool thing to see one go on and, and find a new purpose. Yeah. So. We, we work with ones that, um, have a lot more, maybe they might have physical limitations, but mm -hmm. they, they have such, uh, again, the personalities are really interesting in a good way. And they're so, I mean, all horses are intelligent, but war horses, yeah. you know, it's very difficult to make a horse run to age 11. Like they, at some point, right. they are like, I'm into this work. And uh, so when they change their mind about something, even if it's only groundwork that they can do, it is very profound to witness because they I have bet. massive releases and then they're like, they're all in. So and they're, very, they're very expressive. Yeah, they're very expressive. Some horses are more uh, they can be a little more stoic depending on their discipline or their breeding. And these horses, uh, they seem that way until they're not, you know, and they're, <laughs> like, they're like, Oh my God, this is the most amazing thing. I'm going to yawn for four hours. We're like, okay, <laughs> you know, go ahead. So great. Well, I think it's so cool. Like the, the basics, because I know that you, um, 
you know, you ride at what I consider to be a very sophisticated and refined level. You know, you've made bridal horses. You work with people who also are doing that, who are aspiring to do that, or who are your colleagues. Um, and yet at the same time, when we started talking, even before we hit record on the podcast, it was this idea of how important the basics are. And um, I just find that it's something it's something universal, I think, across all disciplines in life, you know, uh, people who are excellent in certain kinds of sports or artistic pursuits, or they always have a really strong focus on the basics. Like that is the thing, the fundamentals. And maybe yeah. it's a better way and, to put and it. Not, and not becoming, uh, never getting bored of the basics is I think just key to su- successfully being able to bring them along to the upper levels of whatever discipline they are and and when you rush that or if you rush that it's gonna bite you at some point so you know but I think I've always been really um curious and interested in the subtleties and I still am and I'm learning so much about that um that you know that you can be doing the basics but there's so many levels of the basics and and you get the basics down and then you go oh wow then there's this whole other level of refinement that that has always been there. It's just, I couldn't see it when I was learning it because I was at such a basic level. And and so it's, it's very rewarding. And then it's, um, I don't know, I think I kind of get obsessed with it a little bit. So (laughs) I mean, yeah. And it's, and it's something, one of the things that I teach the most is leading your horse, like how to halter and lead your horse. And I don't mean it in a condescending way. Like, Oh, you're so stupid. You can't lead. I'm like, there is so much going on there. Yeah. There is so much going on and it's not like you have to, um, you know, do 10,000 more steps, but that awareness is really so key and the horses really respond to it. That's what's so interesting. And, uh, it's kind of become an obsession of mine too. Um, again, when I'm teaching someone online or doing videos of haltering or whatever, they'll be like, Oh, this isn't very interesting. And I'm like, you send me a video of you leading your horse and I'll tell you the top three things that are going wrong in your riding. Absolutely guaranteed. Like it's just so so clear and it's not because I'm clairvoyant or I'm that awesome. It's just because it's that clear a pattern. It always starts there. Yeah. And so um, it, anyway, it's just something that supposedly the more quote experience I have as a teacher, the more I focus on simpler and simpler and more basic things. And they, And, it, and I find it exciting, you know, I just, yes. I find it exciting. So hopefully I enthuse other people about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And it's, I've kept that Thursday group lesson going that I do here at the Kings. Um, and I know I'll, I'll probably won't stop doing that for quite a long time because I, I get people from many different farms in the area and, um, you know, there's a jumper barn down the road and, really um beautiful great talented horses and it's so fun to show them the things that they've just never been exposed to it they've never seen it before um but how much it relates to all the problems that are happening when they take the horse and show it and compete it and um and so being able to help people that are you know really um high up in in their discipline but just like I was when, when I first watched some of that stuff, I was like, wow, I had no idea that this was even possible. And 
to watch the relationships get healthier, the horse feel better about itself, and then be able to go out there and, you know, jump that jumper course that, you know, and do it with a better frame of mind. Um, You know, that just makes, it just really excites me and it, it keeps me going. And, um, Cause there's a lot of other things sometimes that go on in this business where you're just like, Oh, you know, and, yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. and it's frustrating and it can be a little bit, um, sad sometimes, you know, but that's when I'm glad to have, um, you know, coworkers, colleagues, friends that they're all in the same boat too. They're professionals and that, you know, it's not like we're, we're talking about somebody, but just venting the things that go on in, in the industry sometimes that can get hard to, deal with day in and day out. So yeah, for I'm, sure. glad that, I'm glad I have friends in the business that will listen to me sometimes. And then <laughs> <laughs> keeps me, keeps me smiling and happy. <laughs> well, and I think too that, that a lot of, um, prof- when I started working with horses more, you know, totally not qualified, right. Always been really clear about that. I was yeah. an adult amateur, I was a total idiot. Like this is, I'm just very comfortable with being straightforward about that. Like that's just, I remember reading that in the book that you wrote and I laughed hysterically because, you know, I feel like you were probably being really hard on yourself, but still, no, I was, you know, I was, I was an an idiot. So I still have idiotic tendencies, but I balance it out with some confidence. That's, that's my funny. that's my that's my thing, you know, it's my brand. So but it's um what what was really fascinating to me was that I started to um I came into this work starting a resource adoption agency that I had no business starting, you know, detail, right? And got plunged <laughs> into the middle of it. And the horses were like, we don't care that you don't know anything, just do it, deal with us. And uh, so, and eventually horses would get adopted to professional trainers who, again, were way skilled, still are way more skilled than me, okay? Never been a show rider. I get into a show ring and I'm like, oh, my horse just was really relaxed. So I'm leaving the show ring. Like, I'm really like not, I just don't have the right framework. And, um, but these professional trainers, they were good people, okay? Nobody was a bad person, but they had such pressure to produce certain kinds of results. This is how, what I came to understand later. And, um, and so there were entire things that they would completely miss. And then the horse would inevitably have a problem and then it would be the horse's fault. Not necessarily exactly. horses, we, we always adopted because our horses weren't necessarily high performance horses. But mm-hmm. I did start to get, I, I was talking to you this before we started recording. I started to get this thing going where I get so mad because I'd be like, okay, I'm an idiot. All right, we've established this. So I have no like responsibility here. I'm an idiot but you don't know how to lead the horse. Like you know so much more than me. Don't make me step in here. And then finally right. I, had, I had to accept that, you know, you actually do know something. It's sad yes. because no one else knows, but I'm going to have to <laughs> stand for these words. That's when I started teaching and, and actually taking more responsibility for being better myself instead of just right. blaming other people. But it was just a really interesting thing to see that, that um, even though, uh, again, not saying that I was anywhere near their degree of competency or professional experience, but I had different eyes. I was seeing things differently. Yes. I was looking at different signals. And um, and because I didn't know anything really when I started doing this work, all I knew to do was really look at the horses themselves because I didn't have a preconceived idea of how I should be working with them. I was like, well, that horse seems like 
he gets pretty tense about this, but when I do this, he relaxes. Maybe I should do more of the relaxing thing. So there was not a lot of baggage. And that actually ultimately helped me become more aware of, of the small things that are really important. And that's what I try to pass on, you know, um, wherever. That's I can. great. You know, yeah. I think I told that's, you, that's... I, yeah, it's just, it's a tough thing when you don't see it. And I think a lot, there can be professionals yes. who, they are required to have certain show results or certain kinds of produce certain types of horses. And it can feel like just, uh, it's going to be a disaster for your business if you slow down. Yeah. There's so much, um, there can be so much ego involved and, um, and it's hard a lot of times. Um, like I'm really open with the fact that, you know, there's, there's certain things that I feel really confident and, and good about doing with horses. And there's quite a lot of things on my list that I want to get better at. And that I, I know there are other professionals out there in the business that can help me with those very specific things. And, um, and there, there might be certain things that don't really totally f- align with, um, the, the things that I've learned that feel good to a horse, um, but that both parties can learn from each other. And, yes. you know, that I may have certain things that, that I understand because I've had a teacher help me fill in that blank. And I feel very fortunate to have that maybe piece of, of education, but there's a lot of other things that I'm, that I don't know. And I'm still searching and, and trying really hard to figure out and do better for the horses so that they can, you know, be a better, be better at whatever job they have. And, um, and I think having friendships like that with other professionals is really important because that way they know I'm not coming at them saying, I want to fix your program. Right. I don't want to fix your program. I commend you for the program that you do have, but that you might have a student that I can help a little bit. And I might have a student you can help a little bit and to have that, um, communication open, I think is really important, um, this day and age, because there can be a lot of that stuff going on where, you know, somebody says, well, don't go to that person because, you know, they're this, that, or the other thing. And a lot of times it's just the word on the street. It's not really how they are, you know, and I've started to learn to like, don't believe everything you hear, you know, they might be doing their program because that's what works for them and they don't know any other way, you know? Um, but when they start seeing some other things, like I'll get interested in what people are doing here, we strike up a conversation and then pretty soon we're able, I'm able to ask them questions. They ask me questions. And so, um, you know, that's just kind of how I, I've been trying to roll so that I can keep getting better and not feeling like I'm getting more closed off, you know, Yeah, (laughs) and isolated and and isolated. And, and, you know, (laughs) you can have, uh, you can have differences in, in technique, but many people who are, let's say extremely discipline specific, which is probably financially in some ways, a good decision, right? You get very specifically good at one area. They, may have a great approach, a great feel, even though it's within this technique that maybe I wouldn't, I don't know that much about, or I, I don't compete in that particular discipline. So, and then you come to see that maybe in, in how their students are with horses, or there can be a real integrity about um, consistency, things like that. And so if we just assume that because you're not doing certain kinds of groundwork or you're not interested in bridal horse development, that that means 
you have no merit. That that's obviously totally unfair. Not that not that anyone would say right. that here, you know. Right. But I'm just right. saying that it's really. Um, I think most people who work with horses full time and professional, you know, there's a lot usually a lot better ways to make money. I know there are some areas that are very lucrative, but really there's a huge usually overhead associated with that. And so um, there has to be a love. There has to be a core fundamental appreciation of the animal. Maybe it's gotten distorted over time. So I try to very much keep an open mind because also, again, starting from a very, like I said, I see myself kind of way down here. I really appreciate things. I just now recognize where I can add uh, meaningful contributions. And um, so that's what I try to do. And of course, in this day and age, you know, everybody's there's all this talk about polarization in general in the world, but I do believe we overall have more in common than not. And, um, you know, if we can get a sense of humor going and share the things that we're (laughs) really interested in, humor is really important. Um, It's just super important Um, that, uh, you know, things get better for everyone along the way. You know, I feel honored that I have any contribution to make, you know, like that's just an amazing thing to me. You were talking about how early in your career, like as long as these folks allowed you to come and work yeah. with their students and work with their horses that you were, I feel that way every day. It's like, you know, I, I work now with the 4-H kids, you know, I developed a horsemanship buckle. So we mm-hmm. kind of teach them groundwork and they will win a buckle and then they will also That's get a hundred dollar cash prize. Cause when I was a kid, hundred dollars, nice. you know, nice. But it's like this series of things and you're graded on like softness and you're graded on, did your horse learn something? And these kids are like, wow, this is really fun. But when I first came into it, if I had come in and said, you're doing that wrong, even though they weren't, they right. would have never, they wouldn't, but now they get into it because I'm into it. And I, I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. And it's really cool. They have these great old horses, you know, so we're developing that nationally. We're reaching out to national 4-H groups because it's just so That's fun. That's a great idea. Yeah. And the parents love it too. And now the parents are getting, now the parents are starting to watch for the same signals that the horses yeah. might give. They'll be like, your horse needs, he's, you should have released. He tried really hard on that hind quarter yell. And I'll be like, that is so awesome. <laughs> that is great. That's I really started cool. that. I started that weird obsession. Yay. Yay. So anyway. Well, we'll have to spread that information around here to the 4-H groups. Because oh, that'd totally. be something that I'm sure they would like to get involved in. Yeah, it's super fun. And I'll send you some information about it. Actually, for my listeners, I'm about to do a podcast about it all too, but um, I'll oh, good. show notes. Yeah, it's just been, it's just been fun. Um, it's been an unusual winter for everybody in the horse business and every business, but I have found that working with the kids has just been extra fun. And oh, um, that's great. yeah, so anyway, I wanted to also ask you, since we started talking about you know, sort of changes in your work, how you evolved and everything. And I know that you have kind of come to a big decision for the month of February that yeah. seems to be related to all of that. So can you talk about that? Yeah, so um, I decided to take a, a one-month teaching sabbatical. And um, what fueled this was sheer exhaustion, number one. <laughs> that right. That's what finally brought it to a head. I was like, you know, why do I just, why do I just feel like my, my shoulders are at my ears and I'm just running a million miles an hour. And, and I mean, I feel like in our business, there's a lot of self-reflecting that goes on all the time. And, um, I started realizing that I was complaining a lot about, um, the same things, you know, Mm. feeling tired, um, 
feeling overworked and, um, you know, not feeling present in a lot of the conversations that I was having with people, uh, Mm -hmm. because I just felt like a hamster on a wheel and I was just going a million miles an hour and it, and it's my own fault because I love what I do so much and I love helping people and people will come to me and they want help and I can see that they need the help and I'm terrible at saying no. So I just say yes and yes and yes. And I think it was Kathleen, um, that, recently had said something or posted something about, um, you know, working with your horse in, in the analogy of making deposits into a bank Mm. and that you're either making deposits or you're, you know, depleting all the time. And that's what I was doing to myself is just Mm -hmm. that I wasn't making any deposits. And so I kept, kept thinking like the best thing you can do for your horse is to work on yourself. And so the best thing I can do for myself and my horses and my students is to work on me. And so it was, it's, it was a hard decision to tell uh, my clients, but it's funny because once I started talking to them about it and telling them the reason why I was doing it, um, they were all so supportive and like, you know, Hey, you deserve this. Like you, you, you know, are always, you know, I'm always showing up and, and doing the lessons and, helping the horses, but I'm not ever helping myself. So I decided to work on, on me. You know, I did dry January, got through that. Um, Mm -hmm. didn't, you know, try to improve my sleeping, working out. Oh, hold on. Sorry about that. Um, somebody's calling, uh, there we are. Um, working out consistently, like not, uh, I've been a yo-yo worker outer my entire life. Like, we'll get on these little binges of doing it. And then I've kind of fall off the map. Same with my eating, like I'll get good. And then it's either I eat well and I don't work out or I'm working out and I'm eating terribly. Um, so I just started to realize there's a lot of things that weren't lining up and that I want to work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. Um, so this month uh, and you know, I'll let you know how it goes. Um, (laughs) uh, today was my last day of lessons. And, um, and I've never felt like the quality of my teaching has gone down. It's just that I was just, I'm just doing too much. And I'm, I drive, sometimes I drive a hundred miles a day. Mm. Um, I'm between three different barns. I have horses at two different barns and, you know, it's just like, what am I doing? You know, (laughs) I cannot run at this pace. I'm going to make myself sick. Um, and so it's been healthy so far to just be okay with saying, I cannot do it all anymore. This is stupid. And I want to be able to focus on taking Riv with me places. I'm really, this month is um, really dedicated to the young horses that I've been riding and being able to, you know, put them on the trailer, have time if something comes up to not feel like I'm watching my clock and put them on the trailer and go to the park and ride them for three hours of just, you know, not feeling like I'm on the hamster wheel. Right. So I feel good about the decision I've made. I think that the other big change for me in the future is that I'm not going to be doing as many weekly lessons. Um, I've decided that, and it may not be forever, but it's, it's for right now. What I need to do is, dedicate one weekend a month to a full day of group lessons Mm, and then the other day is going to be all private lessons so I think that 
hopefully through me doing this, I can reach some goals that personal goals that I've set for myself, um, have better quality time with Dave and Riv and, and hopefully everybody that I'm around, I'm not just, cause I, I, I mean, I can go like, I get kind of in this <laughs> little and I get excited about it. And then I'm like, wait a minute, what, what did I just do? Right. <laughs> I don't want to be that way. Well, and, you know, and I think, I think people who are fortunate enough to work with horses and love it and things are busy. You always feel so grateful for that. Yeah, that, that exactly. You, that you, and that people want to learn from you and there's horses that you're really helping. And, and it just, it seems like such a silly problem that there might be too many. And, yes. and then this last year, especially like I get really tired of talking about the pandemic. I just, I, I've broken oh. up with, I've broken up with the pandemic. I'm tired of yeah. it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh, so tedious, but it is true that the, some, you know, I know this year, anytime someone wanted me to do something, I was like, well, yeah, you know, I, I don't feel comfortable saying no to certain things. I'm also, I, I'm not, I, sabbatical is a really good word. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I've also been looking at, I have to simplify because basically half of my time, my contract, if you want to say is with the resource adoption charity Lope. And we have like nine horses now that, you know, I'm sort of helping people, like helping interns learn how to work with them and trainers and I'm working with them. And then I have uh, in-person clients for HorseWise and then I have online clients and yeah. then I'm running this 4-H program and I like, to, I like to eat. So I like to take time <laughs> to actually eat food. And I realized it's not that it's not that uh, I feel like I'm some, you know, again, like hyper high achiever, but it was like this sort of evolved to a point where I realized it's time for me to actually stop doing certain things. And, um, you know, in the case of the charity, teaching more of the up and coming young trainers who want to work with these horses, how to do it. And then with the horse wise, I love working with the 4-H kids. I can't work with everybody in person otherwise. So I'm going to probably do more, shift more to online things because it's just I'm out of time and then my own personal yes. horses my own personal horses you know I'm always like I remember you you're the one with the blaze yes. like it's like that exactly. and so in my yeah. writing my writing has become uh definitely I think has plateaued and so it's like well I have lots of goals too not just yeah. you know so I've decided that I need to simplify as well in order to um to I aspire to certain things, but also to gain more balance. Like, so I get really yeah. distracted and then I come into a horse. It's more usually the horses that suffer because, but I, I just, uh, I'm not all present either, you know, yeah. with, particularly with my own horses. If it's somebody else, another person with their horse, I'm all in, but then I don't right. maybe take it to my own personal development and the goals that are important to me. And, um, so I'm super selfish too. It's all about me. So I really, I'm like, I need to do, I need to just lean into that, but it's just, it is, it is a difficult balance. And so I really commend you for taking that step because first of all, I think it only will, it will only add so much more value to everything you do for yourself. And then that's something that you can then bring to other people and other horses. But if we don't take the time to recharge yeah. burnout is a really, it can be a really difficult thing to bounce back from, you know, it can yes. take a lot of time. Then you get kind of sour, your barn sour or whatever. Yeah. And, you just and, and that is exactly what I was, um, I was starting to feel a hint of that, which is why I 
I recognize like I have got, you know, I'm talking all the time to people about changing their patterns and then, Hey, look at me, you know, I'm, I'm getting into a pattern that is, it's very fixable. And I think guilt is a huge reason too. Um, like I feeling guilty to, to take that time because, um, you know, going back to the pandemic, like feeling so grateful that they, there have been, everybody has been able to continue riding and they want lessons and they're able to keep, and there's people out there that don't have jobs, you know? And, um, and so there was a, a, a bit, I think the reason I didn't take that little leap earlier is because I, I almost felt guilty um, saying that this is what I was going to do because look, there's people out there that don't have a job and I'm so fortunate to have some of the best clients, um, you know, in my opinion, that they try hard, they ride well, but I also realized that this is a great opportunity for them to feel that all the information that they have and all the things they've worked on with me, they can take that and have time to work on it. I mean, they all know I'm going to be out here riding with them. And I've said to them, like, come on, you know, haul your horse out. We'll go to the park. We'll ride together. Mm -hmm. But it's not in a teaching. It's just, you know, use the skills that you've been learning and that we've been working on and, and don't make me um, recite what you should be doing because right. that's another part to this is that I you can't hold their hand forever and that they no. need to draw from the lessons and learn to retrieve what they have to do so that they can become better at it and so I hope that continues this next month that you know I'll be out there riding you know I mean I've got five or five or so horses a day to ride and then also be able to work out and be able to pick up rib from school. And, but I want those rides that I do to, I, I felt the quality slipping because I was constantly thinking and watching my clock of what right. had happened next. And I hate that feeling. And I know horses hate that feeling. So, um, so I think that this will be really good for the horses. And at the end of the day, that's why I got into this in the first place. Exactly. To ride, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And to ride the way that you want to, right? The, in the framework. And I would just say too that, um, you know, by taking the sabbatical, you're also acting as an important role model. You know, not very many people do that um, in any business, but particularly this business and particularly maybe within the, the circle that you travel in, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's not as common and you don't, we, you don't have an off show season where you're not showing like you're always on, your work is always on. And I think a lot of people, students would benefit and other professionals would benefit from taking a sabbatical that um, informs their work. You know, the original version of the sabbatical was an academic professor who takes the summer to study and, and, and deepen their knowledge of their subject matter so that they could then produce, it could be, it could be research, it could be, it could be a book, it could be just simply another level of understanding that they then bring to their students and to the academic institution that they work for, who's seen as an important part of truly good work in the field. And so I think that's a great role model that you're putting out there. Maybe everyone should take a sabbatical with their horse, you know, (laughs) and just sort of go, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to just uh, drill the raining pattern anymore. I'm going to take a sabbatical from that. The horses would be like, yes, let's do yes. that. Way. So, <laughs> exactly. and, and I think that there can be this thing, this pacing thing. I certainly have it. I'm pretty high energy. And this idea of somehow slowing down means that you reduce the value or the output of the work. And actually that's where yeah. the best work comes from, you know, 
Um, and definitely recharging your battery is always like super key. You don't recharge your battery by running around with it. You, right. know, like you, you put your battery in the corner and you plug it in and it sits there, right? That's exactly. how it recharges. So I just, I think that's great. I find it inspiring to think of it that way. So you've already inspired me. You've been a good role model for me because I was kind of just sort of fumbling with this. And it's like, well, you know, I think it's, it, it makes sense if Alicia's doing it. It's obviously a thing. I should do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to imitate what she's doing. She's so cool. So there you go. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> you're, you're kind to say that, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, I just, I really, sorry, I have, I have a child hovering over my shoulder trying to show me. Uh, she's been if you could have only seen she's been at the window bouncing oh. up and down and I've been trying to stay focused and sorry sorry really funny <laughs> she's hilarious she's um, great but she's a great kid I I've never met her I just seen her on video she's awesome want to say hi she had a great day of, of riding Marlin you know so oh. she's officially has my my horse Marlin it she has the papers now so they have oh, a lot wow. of fun together and, oh, that's awesome. and she's riding him full-time now I don't even sit on his back so yeah. it's fun to watch watch her <laughs> enjoying him you know uh but I don't even know what I was talking about before I got sidetracked we, we just started we just started like I was I was talking about that I'm imitating you like slavery oh. so that was kind of my thing and that means I'm not responsible for the result because I just copied you so that, that takes a lot of pressure off me so I appreciate that and I just want to I just want to say from the the podcast listeners too who've been you know listening to this episode and in case you haven't picked up on this, Alicia also has a family. You know, she has a child. She has a whole family. So she's a mother as well as a trainer and a teacher and a horseman. And so I think we can all agree that she definitely more than deserves a sabbatical at this point. So, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That I, I don't know that I deserve it, but I, I did realize. I I thought you know you look around and sometimes sometimes marriages start to fall apart. Mm. Sometimes you know the the mother daughter relationship will fall apart. Um, the client and the trainer sort of that everything starts to unravel. And I thought, you know, I don't think that that's the path I was going down. Don't get me wrong. I don't think, but I also feel like if, if I don't take more responsibility for my choices and, you know, none, none of this was, because of my clients, they're wonderful and great, but it's like, I gotta, I gotta start having some boundaries. And that's, that is a personal problem with myself that I recognize. And I, and I realize, uh, and I think Amy Skinner was, she was the one who, who wrote another beautiful, um, article about having boundaries and, and how important that is, you know, of drawing the line and not saying yes to everybody. Cause boy, I'm bad at it. <laughs> yeah, it's important. It's important. And um, it is the kind of thing that it's just is like the horses. So you could see things were building in the wrong direction. You yeah. Weren't at the, you weren't at the point where you were like, you know, unfriending your mom on Facebook or, <laughs> you know, having, having barn drama, but you could, you could feel it building. And that's, isn't, that's yeah. one of the big things in horsemanship is, 
recognizing when things are building, even if these really small things, that's where the building starts and then going, okay, we're going to redirect that. Like that's not, you know, and so I think that's super healthy and commendable. And I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing more about, maybe we could talk later in a month or so, yeah. end of the month, Absolutely. like how, how your young horses are doing and how, how it's been. And I'm just going to, this is so classic. This is the classic course wise podcast meme. We've been talking for over an hour and yep. it feels like it's like <laughs> it, goes so 20, it goes so quick, but um, I just, I never like to keep uh, you for more than an hour. Cause I know like you're literally sitting in your vehicle and you on your last day of lessons, you were like, oh, then I'm the last part of that day. So I don't want to keep you any longer. But is there anything else you would like to say or comment on as we kind of wrap this up? Oh, gosh, not not that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, just really looking forward to a lot more riding and being more present in everything that I'm doing. And I'm really looking forward to the end of February because I get to, um, you know, I was saying no to a lot of uh, clinics and, and opportunities to go and learn because of my schedule. And I started right. to realize like, what is going on here? Like, I love learning more than anything. I love being uncomfortable um, mm-hmm. and being pushed. And so um, Ricky Quinn had actually called me and we were just oh, cool. talking about something. And he was like, uh, he talked, he was talking about Paul Huskin and I'm like, gosh, I need that so bad. And he was the first one. I think I told that I was like, I'm thinking about this sabbatical for a month. And he's like, I think that's a great idea. And so I signed up for Buck's clinic and Paul Huska to go, rope, oh, you know, nice. and, and take my new four-year-old horse. Cause you know, we haven't been out in done anything together so that'll be at the end of the month and that'll be really fun to look forward to and and it's it's just a great time and of course you know Reed Drummond's restaurant is there so not only do you get learning from Buck and roping and all that but then you get this awesome restaurant to go and eat yeah, at. Yeah, that's you know? awesome. So oh. I'm definitely going to have to work out hardcore this month so I can eat at her restaurant. Well, <laughs> I, I can help you with that actually if you want to connect I, I have a thing where I'm actually really comfortable working out daily. I don't know how I do that, but I, I hate yoga and I've done yoga every day now since I think it was the middle of May. And so there's something about these small, consistent things with working out. I get that. I don't yes. get that in any other area of my life, certainly not with housework or cooking or anything like that. But there's something about that that I find really straightforward. So, um, well, that's, you know. that's awesome because I am, I, love the Peloton and that's what I've started doing are these classes and um and there's an instructor on there that his mind escapes me at the moment but he's hilarious and I get you know I I get on there and I just I just go pedal and, and go and um and he he's so funny and he's he's just very inspirational to me and so it, it goes by so fast and then I feel so good and I'm like why don't I just do this every day you know yeah, <laughs> so now exactly. I have no excuse because yeah, I don't actually have time yeah, to do it that's right that's right, so that's right. <laughs> maybe in a month I'll be a lot fitter it's gonna be great <laughs> you're gonna be ripped and you're gonna be yeah. you're gonna be roping and it's gonna be awesome well great well Alicia thank you so much we'll definitely talk maybe in early thank March you after the clinic and um thank you for being on the podcast again again it's been super inspiring for me and i know that all the listeners will really enjoy it well thank you so much for having me it's always great to catch up with you okay great take care alicia bye-bye all right thanks bye bye
If you would like to follow Alicia and her work, please check out her horsemanship page on Facebook. I'll include a link in the show notes. And if you'd like more information on Horsewise, please reach out to me at horsewisecoach.com. As always, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a fantastic day.